you. Minute eight, yeah. I'm now. About to witness. The awesome man. A crushing a mind of the U.S. Robinson. Show. Stop Welcome, my friends. To show the truth will never end. I am your host, Eugene S. Robinson. One, three, four. Oh, how do you do? I don't know if you watched the fight yesterday. I only had two fights to get on the fight. So we're talking about those. We're going to together yeah i took a real good and and dug out uh, a copy that's the back cover of the uh the music i've been playing since 2007 uh and that, that used to be my record label logo right there all seeing eye of amagato or whatever that thing is that dr strange used to have around his neck uh, um and uh, there's a cover it's a good cd if you know what CDs are, it's right next to my knife fighting CD. So at least this way you can jam on it your car. Anyway, so that's a commercial. What other commercials do I have? I, I need to get my life or organized right here. I got like piles of books. And Jim Goad sent me some other books. Um, Jim Goad, you know, I know a lot of people don't like Jim Goad, but uh, he's been talking about me on his show. So I'll talk to him. But he just sent me this, uh, the bomb inside my brain, and it's got a story. Uh, if you, he told me, I didn't believe him, and uh, he uh, said, if you read nothing on this book, but read the first, and it's his brother. It's, in, it's called An Ode to Bucky, Bucky uh, uh, Goad, and uh, I'm not going to ruin it for you <laughs> if there's such a thing. It's like Walter Matthau when he went to... Uh, Auschwitz with his wife, and they got into a huge argument, uh, um, huge argument on the way to Auschwitz. You can't down a shillelagh me on my own show. And so they walk through Auschwitz, Auschwitz mostly silent, and as they're driving away, and their driver is, a, uh, um, is the one who actually reported, or it was his manager or something, who told the story. As they're driving away, you know, in the quiet of Auschwitz visit, he kind of turns to his wife and goes, well, I hope you're happy. You ruined Auschwitz for me. <laughs> Walter Matthau. So his book here, his brother, it's hard to say that the obnoxious books puts it out to, to, to say that I'm going to ruin it for you. 
but his brother was born um, deaf and mute. Well, no, his brother was became deaf and mute um, as a result of what he he figures in the story is a certain amount of parental negligence. And then as a, he was uh, an accidental child, his, this is his old brother. Um, he, he got scarlet fever. Usually it takes about three weeks for something bad to happen, but your kid's in total pain for three weeks. His mother just did nothing. Maybe it was immaturity, maybe it was negligence, and this resulted in him being both deaf and mute. His father gets back from the war. He is now saddled with a family and a kid who's deaf and mute. Eh, wasn't the nicest guy. He used to beat his son. Kids in the neighborhood in Philly uh, would uh, beat him, and then they began raping him. And um, uh, he managed to somehow make it to adulthood. And um, when he was in adulthood, he was friends with somebody. Um, unbeknownst to him, the guy was suicidal or accidentally clumsy. Um, you know, they were hanging out in a hotel room, and the guy shot himself by accident. The neighbors in the hotel call the police. They show up. He can't explain to them. This is like back in the 60s and the 70s. He can't explain to them what happened with this guy accidentally shooting himself or on purpose shooting himself. You know, and he did exactly what any of us would have done in that situation. Oh, my God. Take the gun. Move it away. Pull the guy out. Try to help, you know, call. Um, and so they find his bloody fingerprints on the gun and they send him to jail. He goes, uh, apparently, same act in jail, beaten, abused, raped, gets out of jail, you know, so he grew up being beaten by his father, beaten and raped by the kids in the neighborhood. So he gets out of jail, gets his act together and says, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Paris. I just, there's got to be more for me out there somehow. And so he saves up his money from, you know, a little menial job he has. <clears throat> and uh, he flies to Paris and gets a rental car. And uh, he gets there in the morning. The next morning, they find him stabbed 31 times in a ditch where somebody's tried to set his body on fire. Anyway, this is round number, uh, verse number, uh, version number 134 of the Eugene S. Robinson Showstomper. And uh, yeah, man. And, uh, and <laughs> we're, we're going to have, I, I need to, let's get the commercials out of the way. Uh, pinko95014 at yahoo.com. Um, I'm going to start putting the PayPal. Uh, that's for PayPal. I'm going to start putting Venmo and Cash App in there. Some of you wise guys have been putting stuff in Cash App, and you know goddamn well I don't know how to get the money out of Cash App. That's very funny. <laughs> that's very funny. So... <laughs> it's a way to give and make me miserable in the giving, you know? Um, so uh, um, anyway, uh, so that, that, that those are the commercials at the top of the hour. And and the, the fights, I only had two, I guess apparently Steph told me three cares on the fight. I thought I only had two, and that would be Rothwell and, and, and Sanhagen, the main fight. So I, I don't watch it live. I mean, I kind of watch it kind of half-assed. You know, my, my wife gave me that we have this little tripod that you can actually carry it around. So you're know, doing stuff around the house. But then, um, I mean, to give you a set and setting, if you if you if you follow me on Twitter at Eugene S. Robinson, uh, you maybe remember close back to Father on Father's Day, I I I uh, I, I uh, wrote a piece in praise of stepfathers. If you go to, maybe one of you could do it right now in the chat, <laughs> go to ozzy.com and type in uh, in praise of stepfathers, and it'll come up and just put the link there. And it's a, it's actually about my stepfather, right? And, and now you would assume that this would be the man that was uh, married, presently married to my mother. Well, my mother is married to somebody else right now. Um, and my stepfather took umbrage when I wrote in the piece, and some other piece I wrote about him, that he was my ex-stepfather. And he was like, what, what is this ex stuff? Go, well, if I tell people you're my stepfather now, they think you're still married to, uh, uh, you know, to my mother. And he was like, ah, nah, you know, this is, defines our relationship forever and ever. Like, you're my stepson, you know, I'm your stepfather. That's, that's it. I go, okay, good. So, um, so he, he my, my mother kicked my father out when I was five. And, uh, 
she she had a great comment at the time. She goes, "How did he think he was gonna gonna lock up the most exciting woman in New York?" <laughs> so you know, my brother was twenty three, wanted to. 22, 23, wanted to live, go, see, do things. And my father, much like me, was kind of a homebody. Um, so it was it was a clash that way. Not fireworks, just a clash. And, you know, and my mother's, uh, <laughs> you know, was like, <laughs> it's a family trait. You know, I'm not at, you got to go. You got to go. And so, and, you know, his replacement was a guy who I write about in this piece. And uh, so he was... He was the, the, the on-site father figure from the age of five or six until they got divorced when I was 18. And, you know, when he told me they were getting divorced, the first words out of my mouth were good because they used to fight like cats and dogs. So I get a text from my sister and saying, you know, look, he's in the hospital. And uh, uh, apparently, a, uh, what happened? They, he, they found out that he had like some kind of minor league kind of cancer thing on his colon, so they go in. I said, well, you're going to end up with a colostomy bag. He's like, ah, nah, I'm not going to do that. You know, he's, he's also a, a, a journalist, and he's, he's you, know, you can find him online. So he, uh, they take out a section of his intestine, hunky-dory. So they, they, but then they do a battery of tests. And a friend of mine who's a surgeon told me they have like 24 markers to see if you've got cancer. And for example, a friend of mine, his father was worked at the missile dump site in Quad on the Kwajalein Islands. And they'd say, you know, you want to use a protective gear, it goes protective gear, protective gear, I don't need any of that stuff. Of course, he died at the age of 57 from his body riddled with like eight different cancers. So he had eight markers on his, on his thing, my friend's buddy who died at 57. Well, my stepfather has, has three, you know, pretty minor. He says, they're going to start him with chemo. So I go back to my friend and I say, hey, uh, you know, your father has, hey, would you, you know, let's deal with the chemo. Would you get it or not? He goes, well, how old is he? He goes, he's 81. He goes, let me tell you what happened with my father at 57. He had eight markers on it, you know, serious cancers. And he took chemo and, uh, you know, it went into remission. He felt nauseous, sick, he lost a little weight, lost some hair. And uh, one day he was gardening and went in to take a nap and never woke up again. What? That's it? Yeah, that's it. What kind of what kind of fucking story is that? What do you what do you? That's like a Eugene Robinson story. What do you mean? You just, I'm just telling you, man. That's what happened. Okay, so what is what is he goes? He says, look, it's it. Yeah, don't give me that quality of life. So because what well, is? You know, at 81, you need to do some actuarial figuring. How much longer are you gonna live anyway? I go, man, 81, 80, you know, guy could live until 91, 10 years. Those are valuable 10 years. He go, well, it depends on how valuable they are, you know. I go, okay, yeah, maybe. So what you're saying is don't take the chemo and let it, let it play out as it would. Or take the chemo, do some gardening, and die in your sleep. It makes no sense. So I decide, I decide I'm not going to tell him about the whole chemo thing, right, because this is not, you know, in a situation like this, you want very clear directions. You know, left, right, straight ahead. That's why I say nothing. So you're taking the chemo. I talked to him, he's taking the chemo. He goes, that ah, makes me feel a little nauseous. I said, well, you know, weed's legal now. You should try to get it. He goes, ah, nah, it makes me too, uh, that would be like a living hell. I'm doing all right. Well, so he starts to vomit. And, uh, and so they rush him to the hospital. Listen, good life advice, never, insofar as possible, Stay out of hospitals. Goes to the hospital, and, and, and you know, the, you only get these jumps that I'm about to give you. Like in death stories are sexy stories, yeah. Because we're about to get that part of the story where I say, next thing he knows, next thing he knows, he he is in a coma, right? Like he's vomiting, he's vomiting, he's vomiting. So uh, he goes into a coma. And then apparently something from the vomit, you know, lung aspiration gets in the lung, the lungs infected. And now suddenly these fucking doctors who knew so much on the come up are like, we don't, you know, anybody who, you know, and now because of COVID, they only let one person go in at a time. They don't let a group of people go in. 
So this is why you need to have somebody that can look the doctor in the eye and, and let him understand that whatever happens to that person is going to happen to you. So, so now he's on his thing, and, and finally, finally, like, he wakes up. He, like, wakes up. He's like, what the fuck? And he's, he feels uncomfortable because he's got all this, <laughs> yeah, man. I'm trying to, I, this is called set and setting, Joe. It's called set and setting. So he's pulling the, the tubes. He doesn't want the tubes, and they try to explain to him what happened. He goes, oh, okay, okay, uh, okay. And so they explain to him. So he's kind of out of the coma. So I thought, okay. If he's not going to make it, I'm going to wake up this morning. I'm going to get texted. He died. But if he makes it through this night and he gets out of the hospital, he'll be okay. But people in hospitals, you got to understand, it's the face theory. And I stopped. I had an aunt who worked at the DMV, and she was unflappable. You couldn't. You come in. Auntie, my head's on fire. Yeah, he's not give a shit. He's just calm. There's water in the bathroom. I saw her get nervous once, and that's when I got attacked by her dog. Who I didn't try to kill, but that's another story. So, um, um, and, and the, the, the face theory is that, you know, you can, when you get to that window, you are full. Your head is full of you. And you're angry. You're thinking about your schedule and what you got to do and the registration, your car. And this is, you got to understand, you know, working at the DMV or the post office or being a prostitute, it's just another face. In the case of prostitution, penis. Just another one. No more or less significant. It means a lot to you that you're here, but I see one face all day, and that's the face of somebody who needs something. And the hospital is very much the same. Got two people in hospitals, those who be able to leave and those who don't. So, you know, they took they took out my wisdom teeth and the doctor is all jolly. He goes, what do you want? And I said, oh, I'll put on some Pink Floyd. I listened to because I thought it'd be like outpatient. Like I'd be able to be chatting with him. He goes, no, no, you're going to go out. He goes, I do have to warn you. I go, what's that? He goes, sometimes this surgery ends up breaking the jaw of the person. I said, huh, that's funny. And this was tactically wrong on my part. I said, you know what? If I wake up with a broken jaw, I won't be the only one. <laughs> and he laughed, and I laughed, <laughs> and at the end of the laugh, I went, <laughs> now, you don't threaten a guy in, who's then going to put you on the <laughs> general anesthesia. That was really stupid, but I've done really stupid things before, and I'll do them again. So he is still alive. That is, this is not going to end uh, 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 in, in a Eugene Robinson typical story. At 81, he's still alive. He's hanging in there. He hasn't gotten COVID yet. You know, you know, he, he's in the hospital, but, uh, um, you know, it's a will of the wisp. My point is, snatched away at the slightest moment. You, you never know. You never know. So what did James Brown say? Live while you're living, because you know what they said? No matter how long you're living, you're a long time dead. And I think of this in connection to this prevailing sense of, you know, the fights yesterday, UFC fight night on Fight Island. You know, there were a lot of fights. You know, Buckley, mm, that was a big care. One of you uh, one of you kept texting me, said, you got to see Buckley thing. And it was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing. And this, this, this ties in. You don't see the segue yet, but it ties in. So he fires off this kick at Mbagabagababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababababab
But the possibility that that could have actually, like, after the Anderson Silva thing, I don't know. You got to tell me, Dan, whether you're joking or not, because at this point, I don't know. So, um, but the fact that he thought, oh, he's got my foot, I'm going to do some kind of, you know, the Granby role, people maybe did it before, but Granby did it perfectly. And it can't the name Granby role or Kimura or anything that's named after somebody, right? So um, uh, he kicks the guy and knocks him out. Now, the best part about this, the best part about this is, is the guy who gets knocked out tweeted out a very respectful resource. It was an honor to be able to share the cage with you. Um, thank you. You set me on my way. Much additional, you know, much additional knowledge. And, and he, 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 it's about for him, it seems like the rising and advancing of the spirit, you know, that this is a noble endeavor, right? And there are two schools of thought when we talk about MMA and noble endeavors. Like there's an Eddie Goldman thing, like this is like a sacred calling, you know, this is techniques. This is not, this is not professional wrestling. And then there's that, you know, ass-kicking school. Yeah, I'm okay with both, as long as it's from the heart, right? So, so that was cool. And then what he says is, you know, I, I want, I want, you know, I guess I'm going to get a bonus, right? Maybe it's fifty thousand dollars. And then the bald one comes out and says, "That was the most amazing thing ever. I'm going to give him all the bonuses," which, by which he means, that was so amazing that I, um, I am going to give him two hundred thousand dollars. I'm going to give him four of the performance bonuses. Hmm? Four. Well, as it turns out, didn't do that. Said he was going to do it, didn't do it. Now, you know, if you listen to the Angry Life Coach, where you say, you know, uh, it's not so much that I lie. It's just I say things that don't come true. In this instance, it didn't come true, but it was within his ability and his power to make it come true. And somehow he chose not to. Now, on uh, Care Don't Care, which we filmed, which we recorded earlier, and you won't be able to hear until tomorrow, uh, Steph uh, was saying, you know what, or Steph and John, or John and Steph, I don't remember who said this, said, you know what, he would have been better off not taking 50 Gs and saying, why don't you give me uh, royalties uh, on show? Because you put that stuff, you know, yeah. Because you, you, you put that stuff on YouTube right now. You Let me put that on my YouTube channel. And when it has 30 million hits, I'll take that money. Because if you don't think this is going to be an MMA version of Jim McKay's Wild World of Sports, Agony of Defeat, shown again and again and again and again, you're wrong. Like, you know, you didn't even have to say that. Now, I start to think that that was an accident, right? And well, maybe in the heat of the passion and then, you know, somebody says, you know, yeah, yeah, he would laugh. He would have laughed right in his face because it's not about that. It's not about that. It's not about that at all. You, you realize, of course, the systematic denial of the reality of experience, you know, this kind of neo-postmodern nihilism where we are, where nothing means anything anymore. Yeah, and it, it's kind of, you know, um, uh, yeah, 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 actually, yeah, and they pass drug tests, whatever, I, who knows, who knows, that is a fly, I, I had a bug fly in my ear, there's Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now, about an hour ago, I, I'm assuming it flew out, so, 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 I'm of the habit of thinking, Everybody's like everybody. Humans are humans. Mistakes are made, you know. Um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mistakes are made, and you know, in the heat of the passion, maybe so. And I said, no, 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 no. You know, I'm going to go Freudian on this one. There are no accidents. There are no accidents. And if you piggybacking on last week's show, you got to understand everything I say and everything I do. Um, as the bald one underscores his Walter White moment of it's not even about sausages on the plates anymore. I, like Thanos, am going to completely un unravel the undergirdment of reality. 
or like Mr. Fisher did in my calculus class. He said, I have a question for you. Yeah. What's two plus two? And this girl in the front, you know, sat in the front. You know, it's a school for overachievers. Hands shut up. He goes, yes, Amy. She goes, four. And he slams his hands down the desk and he's enraged. And he's shaking from rage. He looks at her and goes, I'm going to ask you again. What's two plus two? And she goes, four? Throws his books across the room and he's stalking. He's got his hand hit his head. He's just stomping. He goes, he pulls his chair up and he's, and he's leaning down in her face. He goes, you're going to make me ask you again? I'll ask you again then. What is two plus two? And his hands are slamming down the desk. And she goes, five? And he goes, <laughs> and he starts laughing in her face. What he didn't expect is at that point, Amy started crying. Now, this was at Stuyvesant High School. You had to take a test to get in. But you had like really bright kids there. But you had kids whose parents were judges, lawyers, politicians. You know, uh, yeah. So, so he got nervous at that point and tried to undo it. But this is the raw exercise of fucking power. But that only is possible. Is only possible with our connivance. And I think about that constantly. How many people are in prison? How many people work in prison? You know, I mean, you know who built that Malibu beach house and the compound in Las Vegas? We did. Nah, Philip Fisher died from multiple forms of cancer, I believe, at an age that I think seemed really old to me then. I think ultimately ended up being 61. He um, actually liked me. Um, and uh, I had some friends of mine who thought he was a terrible racist. Um, and I'm quite sure in their instance, they were black, that they, I'm not going to uh, undermine their reality. But I think he was just more a sadist. I'll give you another example. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, kind of like Sam Kinison, but, but you know, but yeah, he, he again, he was Walter Matthau esque, tall, gangly, you know, long mustache. And he's given out tests. And he's given out grades on tests like 14 out of 100. Now, you got to understand, people, there were people in our school who would kill themselves if they didn't get into Harvard. There was expectation. It was, these you, you were in the number one school, you know, uh, you know, specialized high school in New York. You, you know, you took grades 14 and he's, and I'm just watching these kids. Like if you, if your name went below the sign in the sheet, if you spelled your name and it trailed over the line at the end, five points off, you know, <laughs> you didn't put the date on five, 10 points off people. Are there, and I'm laughing my ass off. I'm just like, cause I'm watching these people get these tests, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm laughing, you know, Ted, or, and he's announcing the grades and he's handing out the papers. So it's a grand public humiliation. And if I'd been paying attention, I would have seen a secret glint in his eye. And my friend Rob, uh, Robert Dillenschneider, who's a really good guy in math, you know, it was a math and science high school. He they gave him like 20. I was like, ah, ah. And this guy used to cheat off him, right? So, ah, and I'm just laughing, I'm laughing. And then it doesn't dawn on me that I don't have mine yet. And he goes, and finally, the lowest grade in all of my classes, 0, 0.0. Mr. Robinson? <laughs> and, and of course, I lose it and start laughing hysterically because how could I not see that? How could I not see that this whole thing was just for me? You know, and when I started, when I started laughing hysterically, uh, you know, I could see he was secretly pleased. So he and I became sort of, uh, you know, uh, I mean, it, it takes two for this to work, right? It takes the sadist and the appreciator of sadism for it to work. Which ties into the, 
There are more people in prison than than are guarding the people in prison. So Rene Girard, in his book, The Violence and the Sacred, talked about the sacrificial crisis that periodically, you know, goes back to the whole idea of the Judas goat. That you know, you society societies have these. It's it's a real fly. <laughs> it's not me just flipping out. They they have they have ceremonial bloodlettings, and you can feel it. You can feel it. You can you can feel it. You can feel it building to it. You can feel it happen, and you can feel a, a grand a grand release after it's happened. If you remember the. Uh, World Trade Center, 9-11 bombing. I'm not talking about the planes in the building. There was an attempt to bring it down before then. And, you know, they took these guys in turbans and, you know, would smoke and sit on their faces. They tried to set off bombs below in the parking garage, below the Twin Towers. And people were like, oh, those third world knuckleheads. <laughs> they didn't say that the second time. What, what's happening? I'm like my kid. I'm drooling here. Yeah, I don't remember exactly exactly when it was. Yeah, maybe nine, maybe ninety three. But you could feel it building and building and building. And I think we're very much in, in in a place like that now because usually what happens is you have a, a drum major who leads it, right? Like somebody call it a, a priest, a shaman, somebody you know, uh, World War Two Hitler. You know, you have somebody who is conductor who is who is making clear the light motifs of what's going to be the eventual sacrifice right and I, I the wife and I were talking at dinner and I was like saying you know the interesting thing about about the whole Trump thing is that he's worked himself into and again much like the bald one it's not accidental right it's not accidental he's worked himself into into a systematic denial of the reality of experience where if I say two plus two is five, it's five. You know, when you can say, Eugene, that's nothing new. That's just like 1984. No, 1984 is, yeah, two plus two is five because Big Brother says five. It's like when you're in the privacy of home, when it's a moment and you start to think two plus two, you won't say it's five because Big Brother says it's five. You say two plus two, isn't that five? It's a fundamental difference because we're not sure of the weight and the meaning of any of the language, any, any portions of parts of the language that we use. I got COVID. I don't have COVID. I really did have COVID. I'm cured of COVID. I never had COVID. COVID's not real. COVID's a hoax, but I had it, but I'm super, so I, I beat it. But maybe I didn't have it, but everybody at the hospital signed to an NDA and the word that keeps coming up more and more in relationship to what's happening now is exhaustion. <laughs> I just looked at the comments. <laughs> yeah, he did. He said, I am young. Up is down, black is white. Or is it? Is it? In other words, Big Brother was at least a standard. Big Brother was, was Philip, uh, Dr. Philip Fisher saying two plus two was five. That's a direction. It's a misdirection, but it's a direction where we are now. And this is why I feel that the sacrificial crisis is upon us is where there's no agreement on that. There is no direction. Who's in charge here, soldier? Ain't you? Nope. Turn the light off and we all go animal. That's where we are now. I, I I don't know if you heard words that the recent thing where uh, uh, the guy who came to support the cops slapped somebody and then starts to pepper spray him and then gets shot by a uh, um, one of those one of those private security guards that I thought died in the Wild West. What is that company that starts with with a P? Pinkertons. Thank you. <laughs> I was a Pinkerton. Pinkerton at this point is like, nah, 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 we have anything. We don't know who this guy is. Well, whatever. He said, I was slapped. I was pepper sprayed. I shot him. He's in jail now. The narrative is completely different because they're both white guys. So you, maybe you haven't heard about it. So that's going to be plus one for Pinkerton guys with guns who don't fuck around. You slapped me. You pepper sprayed me. You called. And now they're interviewing the dead guy's son. And he used to make hats. And he, you know what? He left his house. 
You know, guys who, who are trying not to get shot, stay home. I'm going to support the cops. You mean the cops with all their guns need your support? I don't think they need your support. They're doing just fine. Stay home, make your hats. Now you got a son with a dead father. Yeah. So that's where we are now. So when the bald one says that he's going to give the guy $200,000 and then just only gives the guy $50,000, he's telling you that's five. Or maybe it's eight. Or maybe it's nine. Or maybe it just doesn't fucking make a difference because nothing makes a difference. friend of mine's in Vietnam, speaks a little Vietnamese. He was a Vietnam soldier. One of those guys couldn't get the country out of his blood, goes back. Expat. He, he's written a book. He did Anthony Bourdain before Bourdain did Bourdain. His name is Richard Sterling. He was like, called himself the Conan of cuisine. He said his goal was to travel around the world and eat anything that humans would eat. So one night, and he speaks a little bit of Vietnamese at this point. One night, he gets a rickshaw and wants to go back to the hotel. So he tells the guy in Vietnamese to go back to the hotel. This is after the war. This is now in the 80s. I go, don't they hate Americans there now? He goes, no, they like Americans. They like better, better an honest enemy than a false friend. They hated Russians. So the guy is taking him down progressively more and more narrow streets. He goes... This isn't really a way to get back to the hotel. The guy tells him, no, it's a shortcut. It's a shortcut. And so they start to turn into an alley. They start to turn into an alley, and he sees somebody step back in the doorway, and he tells the guy in Vietnamese, anything that happens to me is going to happen to you after it happens to me. And the guy stops his rickshaw, backs out of the alley, and takes my, my friend to his hotel. So when you're faced with a Phil Fisher or a bald one, you know, you can't get hung up on the 50,000, the 200,000. I'm not going to, I'm not going to quibble numbers with you. I'm not going to get down here about COVID. I had COVID. I didn't have COVID. I'm not going to talk about that. But whatever happens to me, Insofar as it's in my power, it's going to happen to you. Now, you might not be able to deliver on that, but you got to know if I tell you something like that, till my dying breath, if I have an opportunity to screw you over, I'm going to screw you over. And I think the bald one lives in a universe like that. I think he does live in a universe like that. And he's hoping that he can fight as hard the fifth round as he does the first round so that you could wait 20 years and you're not going to be in a position to screw him over time will tell but to not deliver that guy his $150,000 that that's not cool not cool and it colors it colors how you feel about, about the sport and indeed it colors how you feel about the entire world around the sport into up to and including this moment right now. Yeah, it could be the stepfather in the hospital. Yeah, it could be. So Sanhagen, so Sanhagen, which is the, the main card fight, and it's the one I it's the one I cared about. He 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 did something pretty miraculous, and I talk about this on Care Don't Care, but I like the other units in the Care Don't Care. He says in that second round, and I, I wasn't sure, the commentators weren't sure who he was talking to or what was happening, or was he talking about it's going to happen or it has happened. What He said, orbital's broken. I wasn't sure what he was saying. His own orbital was broken or that he had broken Marias's orbital. I wasn't sure. But then later I found out, of course, he was saying, yeah, you know, I've trained with a guy. I saw it happen. I knew that it happened to Marais. And I was like, that was, that was macho. Because what happened there is Marais in that moment died. He died. Because he knew, he knew that Sanhagen knew. San, and, I mean, there's no audience, so it's quiet. So everybody, so Sanhagen says it. It's like Candide, Voltaire, Dr. Pangloss says it's so 
It must be so. He says it. Their corners both know it. The ref heard it. Commentators heard it. Marias hears it. Marias knows, and he knows he knows, and it's like it's, the clouds clear for a moment, and truth is spoken. That man died in that moment. The kick was academic. I don't say that to deny to want to deny Sanhagen his 50 G's. I mean, I'm sorry to, to go back to this. To this. Uh, why, why would you say that and, and then not make it happen? <laughs> why would you say that? <laughs> you know, Sam Hagen, I had no, I, I picked him to win. I, uh, I had, had no, the, the fight for him is, you know, give these guys, give him and uh, Aljo a title shot and then have them go against each other. Whoever doesn't, you know, that's, you know, yeah, Aljo beat him before. Maybe different guy. I don't know, but yeah, he, he was stoning. Rothwell, who um, guy is a friend of Knuckle Up. He he uh, he got beaten by uh, uh, Marching Tabura, and this is this is not a continuation of Blockovitz. Me not going with the Polish power, but you know Rothwell was on on a, uh, on Knuckle Up in the back in the days. I think in two thousand and nine. It was always great to me. And recently somebody started giving him uh, a hard time online for supporting Black Lives Matter. And he <laughs> wouldn't back, in, back down an inch. Somebody, somebody <laughs> Polish, Polish cardio is like, I'm not going back to work in that fucking factory. And I'm not getting paid in Zwatis anymore. Tabor beat the slop out of him. No. You see, apparently the town he comes from is outside of Poland. No, 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 no. I'm getting paid. Maybe the Baldwin will promise me $150,000 more and, and then not deliver. Maybe it'll put me in that situation. That'll be fantastic, won't it? So, you know, so, um, so, so, uh, Rothwell, uh, you know, actually, somebody in the comments was, was giving me a hard time at one point about Black Lives Matter. And I just said, is the I, I'm un, unclear what you're unclear about? Is my life not supposed to matter? <laughs> uh, is my life not not supposed to matter? What? No, 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 no. Gangus, Gangus, and I—he's going to write a screenplay, and we're going to get rich. I'm hoping that's what he's doing. Guys got stories, bro. Got stories. So, so um, San Hagen is on his way up. Marais, I mean, how does it? How does it? How does it feel? How how, how does it feel to? Um, how does it feel to? Um, just to to know you're like just there. Teddy's come with his book, A Minor Apocalypse is like that, where the guy has chosen to set himself on, on fire at the Congress. And they said, well, he says, well, why me? They said, well, you know, if it was a bigger poet, his death would over, be, overshadow why he did it. And if it's a less known poet, nobody would care. You are the perfectly mediocre guy. How does it feel to be that guy that's just there? I'm just there. That's where Marias is now. It's got to be a fuck. I mean, you got to square yourself with it. Who couldn't? What Gustafson couldn't? He's like, well, light heavyweight. I'm just the guy who's there. I'm just there. I'm just there waiting for the ball to win the call. Maybe offer me 50 that. Maybe I'm just there to get hit and then maybe get paid for getting hit. I'm just there. Yeah, it's a good book. Funny. <laughs> it's great. I'm there. It's great. So that so uh so he stiffs the guy. And, 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 you know, and I defend him stiffing the guy to, to a certain extent, right? Because there's only one thing that happens in MMA, right? It's a sport. It's a sport. It's a sport of domination writ, writ large and small. If you can do like John jo Johnny Boney Joni and like, 
I'm not doing, I'm not doing shit. I'm not doing anything I don't want. And moreover, what I want is you to pay me for what I want. Got the juice. The guys that he, the Baldwin needs and loves most are guys on the come up who don't realize the kind of sway they have. And of course, them being on the come up is precarious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, uh, McRapist is experiencing that from the other side at this point. Your sell by date gone. I'm going to do a charity. I'm going to do the Singaporean. I'm going to fight this guy. I'm going to do Shut the fuck up. You know what you're going to fight? My anus. That's what you're going to fight. My anus. Nobody cares anymore. Nobody. Even the nut jumpers. I know, I know Trent Reinsmith had some problem with the uh, uh, McRapist, uh, McRapey nut jumpers. But those are few and far between. Even the guy who I picked, Americani, who's now at SBG in, in Dublin, he got pasted. You can feel it. Elvis has left the building, bro. There's nothing happening there. One of, one of those guys was threatening my life before forgiving uh, uh, McRapey a hard time. I said, I go, to, I go to Dublin all the time. Oxbow has played there. Waylands in Dublin will play there again. You want me to come by? I'll come by. If you think punching me in the face is going to solve your problems, I'm willing to let you try. There. Problems any better? There. Any better? Any better? Any better? No. My face hurts. But your problems remain. It's like, and finally, the nut jumpers, to a certain extent, as far as I can see, are like, you know, I got my own problems. I let go. My kid is looking at me. He's in a little swing going back and forth looking at me. I got my own problems. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so um, it, it's, it's an interesting version, but we can... You know, we can feel, we can feel there, there is no conductor for this symphony, but yet there's a conductor for this symphony. And I'm not talking about a Trump or uh, it's not who I'm talking about. You can feel it. We're calling and they will come. My objective, my objective is to be one of those people at up 912 who's standing around going, man, that was fucking wild and then we'll be like <sighs> all right <laughs> I mean you know how many people died and maybe we'll go 66,000 Americans died in Vietnam touched every aspect of American life you know how many Vietnamese people died in Vietnam like like millions now, vacation destination. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a thing, there's like, you know, that, that scene, of course, where he goes, you know, this. And, and, and Taxi Driver, and he's, you know, there's no reality. He does it twice. He does it uh, at Betsy's desk. When he's trying to ask her on the date and... You know, I see you here with all these people and uh, you're not making a real connection and he waves his hand over the desk. And then um, Easy Andy, he does it and then there's a scene where he drops the Alka-Seltzer, I guess three times. There's no reality to any of this. 50,000, 200,000, doesn't matter. What matters are these, these this swelling timpani of 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 you will either die on 9-11 or you will make it past 9-11. Because sacrificial crises are resolved and it's a blood resolution. So if I have a choice to be the guy who's at home still working on my hats or the guy who's a historical news footnote who got shot in the face for pepper spraying and slapping a guy, a Pinkerton, I'm going to take being at home. At home. Making my hats. 
So we did. Now, Care Don't Care has, has if you, unless you don't listen to it, I guess you don't listen to it, has transmogrified into it's a look back at the fight that we had and one coming up. Next week's fight, I, I got, I have four cares on the card. Don't let that deceive you. I let uh, Steph, Lucy Van Pelt me into making two cares. I'm so desperate to see any real jujitsu that, um, um, yeah, I can get somebody, you know, there are places I can get somebody killed for $50. But I'm so desperate to see see real jujitsu so that uh, uh, Steph was like, "These two are great grapplers. You don't know them. You're about to say don't care, but you might." And so I said, "Yeah, I care." But this fight coming up this weekend, two fight, only two fights that I care about. I can't remember. I can't remember who, who the two fights were. Organically, two. If you allow, you know, peer pressure, I go for four. Not not a big night of fights. I talk about them now. I can't remember. The reality of it is that um, we are at this point unifocused on on Khabib and and Justin Gaethje, which I'm not really going to talk about now. I'm not really going to talk about that now. Somebody had asked that I talk about George St. Pierre. I don't know whether it was you or one of my spies who has revealed to me that George St. Pierre is married and has children. Which I love that people are like, it's so hard to keep your family out of the limelight. You can do a really good job when you try. Who knew this? Last thing I knew, he was sleeping in a race car bed at his parents' house. Now he's a dad. And the reality of it is, you know, I I almost said, he is a guy who's semi-retired and you don't mind hearing from him. What's the difference between him and make rapist? And I was like, but we don't call GSP McRapist. <laughs> or, jo- or George Sexual Assault Pierre or something. I'm slowing the uptake on that one. Barbosa. Oh, that was a what? Barbosa. Oh my God. The guy is gifted me. He's he he is almost he is like the perfect gift. Like the per I can't even give him gifta status because Gifted means that I would have faith that he was always going to give me, and he's such a perfect gift that I'm not even sure. Every single fight that he has lost, I picked him to win. And every every single fight that I picked him to lose, or the other way around, you know what I mean. Every single fight where I picked him to win, he loses. Every single fight where I picked him to lose, he wins. Yeah, it's it's it, it's like a meta gift. And I was like, I said, I called it before the fight. I said, I'm not going to pick him and watch what happens. And he, and, you know. I mean, you know. Okay, Amir Khani. And, and I, I don't think I knew at the time I picked him that Amir Khani, the king of Finland, was training at SPG. I don't think I, I, don't think I knew that. That would have affected my decision. He's a killer on the dance floor, not so much in the cage. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, you know, what, what do you say? What do you say? That's I got one fight right. I picked Sanhagen, and I, I had to pick Rockwell, Rothwell, and and I picked Amirakani. So I'm only going to take the heat for the. I had I would I, a million times out of a million. I pick Rothwell. But actually, Edson, he got me again. He got me again. At this point now, what I'm just going to do is I'm going to use him as a counter indicator. If I want to pick against him, I'll pick for him. But you know what happens with Gix? That's what happens. Then I get screwed again. <laughs> yeah, movement. <laughs> Touch button to park. You're lucky it's in the park. Yeah, he's there too. And he barely won that fight. That was a fluke. Don't tell me anything else. And more importantly, what that guy needs is head stuff. Johnny Walker read, and that's not what he's going to get there. And well, I mean, he might. I love, I, I love Dublin. I, I love Ireland. <laughs> yeah, at one point they said they said that, that uh, mental illness in Ireland. They were talking about like a definable. If you and three friends are walking along the street in Dublin. One of you is out of your mind. Like 25% of the island out of their minds. 
You know, I had a good, I had a great time when I was there. So the first time I went, it was to, to record it in U2 studio. And I go, I'm waiting for the rest of the, the, the guy, the producer and, uh, and Nico, the Oxford guitar player to show up. And they take me to, so I go to this hotel room and this woman takes me to the room. So this is your room. And I go, great. I know how it works with jet lag. I'm supposed to be fighting. I'm not, so I, I should go out. I should go out. I can't, I can't, I shouldn't sleep. That's not what I should do. Marion Faithful is going to come in to sing. Can't. And so uh, I'm sitting in the room and I just get, and I, I fall, and it's like that scene on, on, on the cartoon where they, uh, the dog has got his leg broken because he's been chasing the cat and the cat's been chasing the bird and they're all in the hospital. And then they, <laughs> they give the dog some anesthesia and the dog's eyes close and he sees he opens up and the cat's getting out of bed and he, presses out, he opens up and the cat's getting closer and he's got a crutch. And he's getting closer, and then this, you know, this is this is yeah, this is me in the room. Like I'm there, passed out. I'm like trying to stay away, and the woman who showed me the room is like in the room. Like I don't know what she's doing in the room, but she's there. But I can't stay awake. And I pass out, and she's in the room with another woman. It's two women in the room with me. Now, it seems to me that they are talking about me, looking at me looking at me, talking about me like they think I can't hear them. But I'm seeing them, so I know my eyes are open, but I can't say anything because I'm so freaking tired. And I was like, if I open my eyes again and there's a third person here, I'm going to have to get out. I'm going to crawl out of this room because bad things are going to happen. I'm pretty clear bad things are going to happen to me. Or alternatively, they'll be naked when I come to well, thank God, when I finally came to, I realized I have to go out. I'm never going to stay away. So I go out, and who do I see? The only other black guy I see in Dublin. He's looking at me from across the street, and I can tell from across the street he is insane. <laughs> the only black guy I see in Dublin, and he's out of his mind. And so I just like, I'm going to go to the store here. It's a new little newsstand. I'm going to buy some gum, maybe get a Red Bull. I got to stay awake. These guys get here. And uh, he next thing, he's there. He's like, uh, you from here? And i like, no. Because, oh, you're an American. I go, yeah. He's like, uh, let me tell you something, my friend. And he's like doing this thing, looking around conspiratorially. I'm like, yeah. He goes, don't trust the Irish. And I go, don't trust the Irish. He goes, anything they say, anything they say to you will be a lie. I go, anything? He goes, anything. Okay. I, I got to go. He goes, be careful. And so he scoots. I don't see him again. I don't know how I got down that side side road, but that's SPG for you. But in any case, let me let me let me let me. We're gonna get to the denouement. Yeah. So so you heard me use different metaphors. We're in the back of a bus. There's no driver. Philip Fisher says two plus two is five. Not Big Brother. Philip Fisher. Red is black. Black is red. None of these things mean anything anymore. They're not substantive. They're not substantial. Nothing means anything. Yeah, SPG. Yeah, you know, 93% of people on rape charges in Ireland are walking. 7% conviction rate? Pretty much that's a, gl a global clarion cry for rapists. If, if I knew that they had a conviction rate of 7% of for bank robbery, if I knew that, I would go to Dublin to rob a bank. Simple, simple math. That's exactly what I would do. Man, that's the daughter. She would do it too. So, so we have to see. 
where the bald one, raw exercise of power, says 50. Maybe I said 50. Maybe I said 150. You know, it gets to the point where, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What do you care? What are you going to do? What do you care? We're in this, we're, we're in this real, we're, we're, we're in this kind of Descartian kind of space and the cat too. <laughs> We're in this Descartian space where, well, what, 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 what can I rely on? What can I rely on? Um, what can I rely on as being true? What can I rely on as true? Well, my ears have deceived me before, so I can't rely on those. My eyes have deceived me before. I can't rely on those. What can I a priori, what can I know in a universe where two plus two is five, where I have COVID, I don't have COVID, I magically have COVID, COVID doesn't exist, it's a hoax, where there's nobody at the wheel of this bus that's hurtling, where, pre, where we're 9-10 and we know 9-11 is coming and we want to make it to 9-12. I'll give you the same advice that Charles Manson gave to me uh, when he was at Vacaville via mail. You know what he said? He said, Hide. Hide. So if, if, if the Baldwin offers me $200,000 and the end gives me $50,000, I know the money is insignificant. That's not the point. This guard, the Baldwin, can keep me in prison as long as I accede to being in prison. The 10,000 uh, 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 prisoners up against a hundred guards are allow like allowing themselves to be kept there choosing but in the end there's no reality to any of this none none fight don't fight one of the first things that uh, Johnny Boney Joni said when they said what are you gonna do after you after you beat Stephen Bonner he said, I'm going to go commune with nature. Yeah, to Dana White prison experiment. Exactly. And I thought, you know, people are like, Eugene, you, 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 how come you're not more, you seem to be like anxiety filled. I finally did that movie with Jasmine Hurst, Lydia Lunch, about rage, anxiety, and depression. Oh, yeah, how come you're not more. Like Bruce Lee in the in Enter the Dragon, where he gets caught in that room, he doesn't throw himself against the door, sits down, cross-legged on the floor, meditates, or hides. Or like that woman in that movie, Bezmoi, uh, that French movie, who as she's being raped, she's trying to console this other friend of hers who's also being raped. And she kind of looks at her and says, don't worry. This is terrible. I don't keep anything of value in my pussy. I don't have anything of value on this table over which the hand says there's no reality to any of this. Stay out of hospitals. Don't believe the bald one. And hide. Yeah, yeah, sorry, that's right. Yeah, if... You take nothing away from the show, that's it. And by way of conclusion, 134, that is it. Mr. Land is here. Ah, Mr. P is here. Lady showed up. Archer shows up. Everybody's here. Everybody's here. You know, I find I find the viewership of the shows is directly connected to the quality of the fight, even though it's not directly connected to the quality of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too, man. I love you too. He, he's done, he, uh, Mr. Land has done something fairly amazing that uh, in the coming months you, you all will get to see and bid on. But anyway, we conclude. This is show number uh, version or 134. Oh, this is your first live one. <laughs> So either you're far enough away that this is very late for you or you're, you're like in Hawaii and it's pretty early. I can't figure out the time zone. Well, let me get this straight. Are you in the Renaissance? 
is this the reconstruction? My mother would always have a hard time thinking, wait, are you three hours? And, oh, yeah. Awesome. That place, every time they want Oxbow to play in Australia, we get great. Where do, how much do you need? Well, we need at least four round trip tickets. Cue the clown music. <laughs> Man, you can't pay for us to get to leave once we get there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyhow, yeah, yeah, he's got to go back. Uh, this is the beginning. It's okay because as of now, my stepfather's still alive. Mr. Fisher is dead. Coronavirus either exists or doesn't exist. There's no driver on the bus, and I'm going to choose to hide because I want to be around on September 12th. Thanks for listening. Tuesday night, we have If the Shoes Fit. Monday afternoon, Care Don't Care happens. Uh, the Starsky piece, they're fucking with me. I don't know what to tell you. It still hasn't run yet, but if you follow me at Eugene S. Robinson on Twitter, um, if you follow me at Eugene S. Robinson on Twitter, uh, I, will, I will tweet it out whenever the Starsky piece happens. But take care of yourself. Try to make it till next Sunday. In other words, hide successfully. Until then, believe nothing that you hear. Unless it's from me, the last truly free voice in America. And I want to get on the whole Joe game, but I, I can't do that. And I want to talk about Bill Burr. And, and I, I don't have time to do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, Bill Burr is qualitatively different, better, new and improved over. They seem the same over whole Joe game, but Bill Burr is, is in my mind, Qualitatively platinum. Whole Jogan, yeah, easy. Okay, whatever. $130 million man. But Bill Burr, we'll talk about that. If you remind me, we'll talk about that next week. Until then, this is the end of the show. This is version, what, 134, I think it is. We'll see you soon. Until then, you know what it is. Look what you made me do. Ah, now I scared the kids. He's crying. He's like, ah.